Um, I don't want to put you on the spot, Alice, but we, <laughs> um, we talked about like, you know, kind of like concrete things you can do and actions that you can take. Um, and obviously like one of those is donating money. Yeah. Um, and so I think, um, like I, I was thinking about it because I recently, um, just to make even more recommendations, um, <laughs> I, um, uh, was, have followed like a few new accounts in the last couple of weeks. Um, one is called Well Read Black Girl, which I like would highly recommend. There's just a lot of good reading recommendations on there. Um, but um, I also started following um, a girl called Rachel Cargill. Oh yeah, um, I think I followed her as well. Yeah, does a lot of like great activism, and she also um, started something called the Loveland Foundation. Um, and I found out about it because my sister, um, actually was like doing some research into, um, like organizations that she wanted to donate to, um, during this time. And it's an organization, um, that provides, um, therapy for black women and girls. Um, because obviously like going to therapy <laughs> is a privilege, um, because you either have to have good healthcare or enough money to pay for it. Mm -hmm. Um, and um so that um was something um that we both um donated money to um and i just wanted to bring it up because um i think that there's a lot of like organizations out there that you can choose to donate to but i know that like going to therapy is something that we have advocated for in the past um and just when i think like the fact that i get to go to therapy every week and um get that help is a huge privilege um that not everybody has um especially during this time when you know like we're all stressed out about the pandemic and um, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and um, all that stuff is going on. I think it's really important that everybody has an equal opportunity to take care of themselves, especially, um, you know, Black people that may be shouldering a lot of this anti-racist work. Um, just sort of, I'm sure that takes a huge emotional toll. Um, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so I just wanted to give that a shout out. I don't know if you've donated to anything recently that you want to give a shout out to. Um, I don't want to. No, <laughs> I actually, you want to I actually um, did give a little bit to the Leveland Foundation. Um, I think finding things, as I said, like if you can make a recurring donation, like give a like yeah. maybe it's Black Lives Matter, um, maybe it is the Leveland Foundation, maybe it's something else. Um, if you are reading a story about one of these horrific, tragic deaths, look to see like their family will, a, a lot of these families will have like a GoFundMe type page yeah. where you can contribute to some of the legal costs they're going through, some of like the costs of the memorials, um, every little bit helps there. If you are... I'm in a position right now where I haven't felt able to go to the protests. I'm like on the mend from knee surgery, but not quite there. Um, mm -hmm. But like knowing that, like that, like there were people out on the streets protesting. Like I did contribute to some bailout funds. That's another thing you can yeah. do. Like if you're unable to protest, but still want to support, either look to the organizations that are playing an active role in some of those protests or look to the organizations who are helping the protesters who are getting arrested. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, there's a lot of that um, 
like information out there in the wider world. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think it, <laughs> I don't know about you, Alice, but like my whole timeline now is um, lots of good, like anti-racist information, which I think is great. And but I also, you know, I was just thinking like, I think, you know what I mean? Like that information is there if you, you know, want to find it, I guess is what yeah, I'm trying to say. I think if you have the means, like now is the time to put your money where your mouth is, you know, or like yeah. you know, to put like uh, the money where your values are um, yeah. and to like really make this a thing that you are putting something on the line for. And honestly, cash, again, assuming coming from a place of like, you know, economic privilege, like assuming that you have the means to do so, like that's, you know, a very easy lift, you know, in terms of like time, you know, I'm, I'm not yeah. going to say in terms of finances, but in terms of time, like that is something that you can do from wherever you are. Um, you can find any of the number of organizations that we kind of just listed, but also kind of in the same way, Kelly, that you found like the Loveland Foundation, I think a great way of going about this is to like reflect on the things that really matter to you or like the things that have benefited you. And if that's therapy, look for something like the Loveland Foundation. If that's like a program that you had when you were growing art, uh, growing up, like maybe like an arts program, like looking for something equivalent that might be helping black and brown youth to kind of, you know, uh, again, like uh, to, to really connect this movement with the things that matter to you and make it one of the things that will matter to you in perpetuity, not just because of like the current moment in time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think, um, you know, one thing, I do a lot of fundraising at both of my jobs, actually. And one thing that I always try to tell people is, like, sometimes people think, like, oh, if I don't have $100 or $500 to give, like, if I don't have, like, quote, unquote, a significant amount of money, like, even $50, then what's the point? And I, I think... The thing is that, like, even small amounts can really make a difference, right? Like, if we all pitch in what we can, you know, even if you have one or five dollars to give, yeah. um, you know, like that adds up and um, that can really, you know, make a difference and make a positive change. Um, and then also, like, there's a lot of information on, you know, stuff you can do if you don't have money. Like, there's YouTube videos yeah. that you can watch where the ad revenue like goes to Black Lives Matter or there's petitions that you can sign. Um, I mean, I think that, um, you know, uh, they recently passed like Breonna's Law. Um, which is like um, where they're not allowed to do no knock warrants yeah. anymore, which I'm not sure why that was ever a thing that they were allowed yeah, to do. Yeah. Um, but like that was probably in large part because there were a lot of petitions that went around and they're like, I know like one of the other things is like you can, um, they'll like tell you where you can call or send emails to, um, you know, to like ask politicians or people in power yeah. um, have, to make changes um, like that. Of, um, eight can't wait petitions going around, which there are eight different things that like, uh, that if like police departments put in place would like substantially decrease the number of deaths. Um, so like yeah. you can kind of go, I don't know the exact actual website, but I'm sure it's something along the lines of the eight can't wait. And you can get a sense of, um, kind of what is going on in your city and then a way to contact like the mayor of your city or the leaders in your city to kind of advocate for those, 
Um, and then, yeah, I love, I love that you bring, uh, you brought up the YouTube videos where like, if you watch the ads that contribute its revenue, I think that's a great way that if you don't have the means, you can still contribute financially. I love that you brought up the petitions and then also having a new president isn't going to solve all of those, <laughs> but it also will make things easier, you know, like, it won't, Just vote. It won't hurt. so like, register to vote talk to other people get them to register to vote because like man yeah <laughs> just just we need them out <laughs> oh god yeah but i do think it's important like as important as it is to get a new president in the white house it is also equally important to recognize that just having a different president is not going to change this Donald Trump is a symptom of a much larger problem. He is a symptom that has exasperated that problem and taken advantage of it and made it so much worse in a lot of cases. But like, like Obama, I thought was a great president, but like there was a tendency to be like, oh, especially among white people to be like, racism is over. We have Obama as president. People, like, people frequently use the phrase post-racial world, yeah, which was just no, we can't not accurate. Like until like no one, like until like race is not a thing that like defines our world, like, or that people even think to ask about, like, you know, or like notice, like we should just abolish the phrase post-racial world because in our lifetime we will not hit a post-racial world <laughs> yeah yeah yep and i mean arguably like i mean i think we grew up in i mean you and i when i say we you and i specifically grew up in sort of this like weird um place where i feel like we were sort of taught like the colorblind theory where like w they, we live in a predom predominantly white yeah. area yeah. and um we were sort of taught that like the correct way to handle everything is to pretend like everybody is the same and like you don't see color you don't see differences like we don't you know like do a christmas celebration because like you know maybe that offends people yeah. like and i don't yeah. know that like that's really the goal i think the goal is to recognize that diversity is a really cool thing right and not like with that comes like certain challenges and that certain people, um, you know, black people and people of color have a different experience than white people. Um, and, but like, the, I guess what I'm trying to say is that like the goal of that isn't to like erase color yeah. and like erase race. It's to recognize it and recognize like the challenges and the injustices that come along with that. And, but then also to celebrate, like the good things that come out of that, right? That like the totally true. Like we we are stronger together, and like bringing in different perspectives and absolutely right. and celebrating that rather than pretending like it's not there. Yeah, like ignoring yeah. something that's never made it not a problem, and like pretending like people you know like don't have race, yeah, or don't have um, a culture or a religion yeah. or a whatever. Well, and also um, the other thing, not to go on a tangent, but the other thing that was kind of messed up about growing up where we did is like, I think you're absolutely right. And I was reflecting on this too. We were kind of brought up to be like, 
oh, like we solved it. Like, <laughs> like it was like, everyone was like, oh, like, like we knew like being a racist is bad. Do not be racist, you know? But at the same time, we never talked about systemic racism. Like, I don't think I learned or really discussed systemic racism, maybe in college a little. In terms of in my classes, I did not really discuss systemic racism until I got to a graduate program. Um, but you know, well, we were a town that was absolutely defined by it. Like any predominantly white suburb of a city is defined by systemic racism. We are defined by the pro- like the high property values and like you know white flight from cities. And mm-hmm. I mean that's more Boston than than Maine, but like the town we grew up in was absolutely a product of systemic racism and we never talked about it or acknowledged it at all. No. And we, and if anything, yeah, like we were definitely taught like Martin Luther King was shot and then racism was over. Um, <laughs> like, but like, we also, I think like you were saying, like we were very like specifically taught um, that like, like racism is an individual act and like a person in their heart and in their soul is racist and hates yeah. a group of people rather than that, like a system can be racist yeah. and that like you can be a part of that system and unintentionally your actions or the privileges that you have can negatively impact, you know, um, people of color or black people or whatever, like, you know, group is a targeted group within that racist system, like without you intending for that to happen. And I think that we still see that rhetoric in the way that people in the public talk about like Donald Trump being like, I'm not racist in my heart. I'm the racist, like least racist person that I know, like harkens back to this idea that like, that's something that you feel in your heart and your soul and like, not something that is just, just like something that you do or say, or like your actions can be racist yeah. without you even intending them to be. And I think that we have to like change the way that we as white people talk about that because it's not like that takes away, you know what I mean? Like that's why people get so offended when you say something they did or something they said is racist. Yeah. Cause they're like, how dare, like it's the worst thing you can call somebody. Right. But like really like that level of defensiveness is what prevents us from having honest conversations about, black people's experiences yeah. and, well, and it present it prevents us from growing and from learning like that whole mentality like finding a solution to de- you know that whole growth mentality that you and i are trying to like develop and foster here like yeah i think it's great that we have gotten to a place as a society or like great is probably too strong of a word it is good that we have gotten to a place as a society where people are like oh it is not good to be overtly racist. It is not, you know, I do not want to be called a racist, but that is just such, that's only the first step. Like it's barely a step. <laughs> like, and there's just still so much we have left to do. Um, and yeah, I think, yeah, I don't know where I'm going there. Um, no, I mean, I think it's true. And I think that that's sometimes there's that like generational divide where like we didn't, we didn't grow up. I mean, especially because we grew up in Maine, but like with that overt racism, um, you know, that everyone considers to be eradicated and a thing of the past. And I think um, it's, uh, you know, like, like that is progress, yeah. but also the sort of like, 
um, undercover racism that happens now in some ways can be more insidious yeah. because it's harder to call out and it's harder to identify. And then it's therefore harder to talk about and find a solution to Yeah, because yeah. there's this argument about whether it's even there or not. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And I mean, let's be clear on overt racism. Yeah. It's not as popular as it once was, but it still exists. Um, oh, it's, yeah. I mean, it's there. <laughs> so we haven't even fully done that part yet. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ, Alice. Oh my God. There's a lot of work to do. And I don't know. Maybe we leave it at that. <laughs> All this is to say, we're just going to keep working on yeah. it. We'll just keep trying. Exactly.